Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's Lucretia Lyon again for Believe in Pop Psychology. And this time I have Mr. Benjamin Bryant with me. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Thank you. And, and Ben, I know you do a lot of things. So this may be like Erica <laughs> Kane's ex-husband's. It's going to take a while for all your hyphens. But what is it that you do? <laughs> well, I, right now, this moment, I am a filmmaker uh, and documentarian, but I think if the true answer to that story is I tell stories and I've always told stories and it's just been a matter of how. So I originally went to school to be a journalist and I had a very lucky, uh, the Olympics, in fact, in 1996, I was working as an intern, uh, as a news intern when the bombing happened. And because of that, they put, it was one of those great, stories right they throw you yeah, on the, the air Richard all Jewel night was a big right? thing they brought back yeah. up recently so i was yeah, uh, yeah. i was on all, all night reporting on that giving updates on all three channels in our station and someone at the austin american statesman thought that that was so cool and they and they wanted to know who it was and that led to uh my first full-time job in broadcasting balancing that balancing school and then i got really sick so that became very hard uh to do i couldn't do like the hustle up to network right away and so I went to public relations and I started telling other people's stories for a living. And then I asked uh, stories for a living. And then I, uh, and then I found myself specializing. So if you had a brand launch, if you needed to get your, keep your program from being defunded by Congress, or if, you know, uh, this never happened, but you know, but if you woke up next to a dead hooker, you know, give me a call. I actually have a, a protocol, you know, uh, you know, for what to do if that were to happen. And it usually starts with call a lawyer, but it has a lot of other great steps too. And that led to probably the most wonderful series of events because I would never be anywhere longer than maybe one or two years. Uh, always project work. <laughs> I wasn't fired. Um, uh, I've only been fired once. And, uh, but, uh, you know, but it would be project work and I would get to work with individuals or I would work in Korea or London or, or Abu Dhabi on, on projects to, to kind of culturally match messages from one country to another. But I think what I realized, uh, around the 2016 election, it just took so much out of this town, took so much out of me. And, I realized that I needed to get back to art. So I started painting. I thought I could balance it out. Maybe you know, I, I was always a writer, but when you write for a living, when you ghostwrite other people's op-eds and you write their speeches and then you ghostwrite their letters and things like that, you, you don't have any desire to sit down in front of a keyboard when you get home. So I took a yeah, painting. Yeah, you're used to writing into other people's oh, voices, not right, your right. own. Yeah. Which did come in handy later, yeah. but at the time it just felt like, it felt like the impending burnout that it was. I just didn't know it at the time. And so I took a painting and then went back to photography and started working on um, the digital series Anacostia with Anthony Anderson and then uh, did some Christmas romances. Uh, all of those were, were largely unpaid work. And I, but I always say it's cheaper than film school, you know, uh, 
to, yeah. to just really get that through hard work and you learn, you learn on the ground. And, and uh, both uh, Evan Anderson and Candace Kane, who, who I worked with, uh, had very sort of clear visions for what they wanted to do. And they knew how to make a dollar out of 50 cents, as they say. And, um, and so I learned so much. <laughs> uh, and so I learned so much. And, and from that, uh, I think the lesson of 2020, when uh, both I cleared the deck intentionally and had the deck cleared for me, as life is, is want to do and has done for so many of us, uh, led to me sort of saying, what do I want to do next? And I think the answer to that was I want to tell my own stories, whether it's telling my story or whether it's telling stories that I write and characters that I draw. So uh, I told I did a podcast. It was a, an investigative podcast about a woman who I believed had been falsely accused and cheated. Uh, so and you to have speak, the perfect her. voice of that. Like, it's like <laughs> thank you. It was like you could do like any investigative story. Like that's your voice. Like well, it, it was it was it was wonderful because it combined the investigative journalism background with the radio background with the my my bleeding heart. Oh my goodness, you know. Uh, long distance commercials used to make me cry as a kid, you know, and with my, with my bleeding heart wanting to help people who, who, who didn't know how to access the levers of media and power and, and very successfully, I don't want spoiler alert. We were able to uh, save that family, the heartache and aggregate uh, aggravation they've been experiencing and the disrespect that had come from her being classified as kind of a military fuck up, so to speak. Can I say that? Um, and instead, oh, found yeah, that's the truth. my podcast. You know, I can't help myself. <laughs> and found the truth of that situation. And and then I flew to Bosnia, did, did a, uh, a travel documentary there, and uh, about 25 years after the war. And then I thought I was, I was ready. So I finally did my first feature film. I wrote a script uh, and uh, with, with the help and encouragement of a lot of wonderful people cast it, edited it, shot it. I mean, I didn't shoot I had the camera. I did have a cinematographer, not, you know, but I directed it, uh, edited it, colored it, and uh, and it just won three awards, so hopefully I did it okay. Did an okay job. <laughs> so those are all the items. There you go. But I, I could be back writing speeches tomorrow. I always say I'm just glad to have had these experiences, and I think they each let me write, char write characters, but they also help me create narratives for my clients. So whatever I do next, I'm glad that I got a chance to play in all these sandboxes. Wow. That, and like I said, guys, it was a lot. And we'll talk about your movie later, Station to Station, uh, which I'm really excited to see. But, you know, speaking of dead hookers, as you brought up early on, uh, Ben <laughs> Affleck's friend, Matt Damon, because um, I love Ben Affleck, guys. That's a Jane Salad Bob <laughs> strike back joke. Um, <laughs> it's a running gag throughout the movie. Watch it. It's adorable. Um, but... So, and I wanted to bring this up because it was something interesting and it kind of goes along with what we were talking about is how things have changed. And, you know, of course the dead hookers bring the guys from Goodwill hunting, but Matt Damon brought up a good point. And I noticed on Twitter that you sort of responded to one of the, the issues there that was on the Sunday times, which they said a knock on effect of sidelining movie stars, which is mm -hmm. all about Matt Damon's thoughts on the losing of the leading man, which I didn't do agree with a lot of what he was saying and found it a, a bit insightful. Um, you know, he's not just Will Hunting in the movies, guys, apparently. But, um, but they said it will in turn lose the stars themselves. What is the point in interviews to promote a film when fans go and see it because of the superhero suit? And you were like, um, yeah, or, or, you know what? I'm not going to read your words. <laughs> what were your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, 
that whole from a from a for someone who's who sort of exists in the periphery and is observing the industry and has been both a journalist and you know, a fan and in in films as well as making them the whole thing was just fascinating to me and i think it speaks to something larger first of all which is this idea forgive me if anybody ever sees this video it's my bad neck but um they uh, uh i'm stretching and i look like an ostrich and i apologize so you're lucky if you're just hearing it on audio but i think what it really speaks to is this idea that times change and things change you know uh, there are many things that i love and and only in my 40s have i come to just sort of appreciate the idea that it's okay to have loved the way we did something once upon a time or the experience that i had as a as a kid want to have that uh, want to give that pass that on to new generations but i also have to accept that the world changes and sometimes it changes in ways that it would be good to claw some of that back. Social media moves too fast. It allows for bullying. It allows for the spread of disinformation and those kinds of things. And, uh, but, and more specifically to the point, the democratization of, of, of film and television through digitization and streaming has been very troublesome because you get a lot of diluted stuff. We don't all watch the same thing. So we don't have that water cooler talk and, and, yeah. uh, and get excited. We don't all follow Julia Roberts and Tom Cruise because they're the two biggest movie stars in the world. Uh, and, you know, Game of Thrones can be one of the biggest shows in the world, but there's still a good part of the country that's never seen a single episode because there's not those three channels. So we have a tendency to idealize the way we came up. But then if you were to take that same sort of thing and say, well, digitization and the democratization of film and television also allows shows like Anacostia, the digital streaming show that I was on to become a six-time Emmy-nominated show and an Emmy winner, uh, a show that shot in Washington, D.C. on a micro-budget. Uh, but now with the ability for people to use a more affordable equipment, for people to have access on the internet to learn how to do these things, uh, for people to use not, Anacostia didn't use phones, but I've seen wonderful movies that are shot on phones now because they're far oh, I have yeah. shoots, in eight, shoots in 8K. Uh, and so with the right lighting and accommodating for those things, you can do amazing things. And so it allows people who are marginalized or maybe wouldn't have been able to, to break in to now tell their stories and get noticed and contribute. And for people for whom the mainstreaming you know, of of Hollywood and leading men and who were the stars and what kinds of things had to appeal to the widest number of people, you know, it allows you to always be able to go out there and if you can dig through the hundreds of things, find something that is appealing to you, it's there because now there's more options and they look like you and they, they talk like you. And so I get what he's saying because there was a time where we all looked up to the same people and we talked about those things, but I don't agree with the analysis in which seemed to there was a little the, my main issue with that entire interview to be honest was the navel gazing that went on so in the sense of you know i i, I have a friend who happens to be uh, rather blessed uh in the uh in the equipment department and <laughs> once we were and, and once we you know everybody hates support but you know but it's like uh once we were reading an article uh, uh there was an article something on the news about how because of climate change and pollution and all these things that American penises are getting smaller. Yeah. So, you know, I, I bring the quality content, Lucretia, don't forget. And, and it was one of those, it was, New York Times. it was mainstream quality oh, yeah, journalism, yeah. okay? But it was, it was science, hashtag science. And, um, and, and this guy is just like laughing and he's just, he's like, oh, this is so hilarious. Oh. And so, and, and you know, everybody in the friend group is like, you, 
you don't get to laugh at that. You don't get to comment on that. You don't get to share that. But you know, if your if your current job is like the amazing thing that this person does doesn't work out, you can go get a job in porn tomorrow. So you don't get to talk about that. And and in a way, I sort of feel quality yeah. content. And everybody is always yeah. yelling, "Shut up, Matt Damon!" Right. Like with the Me Too thing too, <laughs> where he was like, "Al Franken and Harvey Weinstein wasn't the same thing." And I'm just like, you know what, dude? I am with you. It's yeah. just like a lot of the parts of this article, which was about, you know, it's not about being, you know, people going for actors anymore. And I'm like, you know what? That part I was really interested in, but I get what <laughs> you're saying. And it's like, yeah, it's that, true. that like was the only going for Iron Man, and he was like. You know, um, Robert Downey Jr. is such a great actor because I kind of like the way he kind of went. And it was like, he's such a great actor. He should be, you know, appreciated for that because Iron Man really could be played by just about anybody. And he's right. And I say this as a person who owns every little freaking mm -hmm. Constantine right. figure out there. And, and I'm a comic book fan and I love that they do mm -hmm. the movies. But when someone did the analysis of this and showed like, it is. It has become too much of these big franchises. Mm -hmm. The little movies, you know, kind of like, I mean, the hell even in the movie I was mm -hmm. referencing, Ben Affleck is making fun of Matt right. Damon right. for making these more artsy films. And that's why I do appreciate the fact that Matt Damon obviously cares about the art itself. Right. And that this right. is more the gripe about like, you know, and that's probably why someone like a Daniel Day-Lewis retired. I mean, and see, I think that's it, okay, yeah. though, right? Yeah. It's okay. In the sense that we need to have this conversation. Yeah, it's definitely want to be had. Where it becomes a challenge is when you know, sort of the the apex predator in the you know uh, of, of actors, which is the uh, which is the white male heterosexual Judeo yeah. Christian uh, American movie stars like wither the decline of the <laughs> of the white male heterosexual <laughs> yeah. you know uh, it's so hard for me and and like, it oh, does not mean he's not making game. a great point <laughs> yeah. it doesn't mean that my friend who cares a lot about climate change is laughing hysterically at the irony of you know pollution and, and chemicals and, and people not eating clean you know making their penises smaller no you know, yeah. it's it's maybe you aren't the right messenger, and this of course ties yeah. back to what I do for a living. For this, that said, um, you never know too, and this is where it comes in. I'm gonna you're gonna see all my hats today. This is where a good publicist comes in, yeah. because that may not have been the actual angle of his of all the comments he made, but it was one of those great angles that the journalist says, "I'm gonna build this in story oh, around yeah. the idea that Matt Damon looks out and wonders what will happen to me." You know, what about the white guys? You know, and that wasn't necessarily what he was saying, no. but it made for a great angle. And what did it do? It made for great clicks and it made for, you know, yeah, so the psychology of how to like, build it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm if you love him, for that. Yeah. If, right, if you love him, you're going to say, well, I see his point. If you hate him, you're going to say privilege. You know, those things, which is exactly what the the evolution of how we have to make everything scandalized. I think the challenge becomes when then they say, when the journalist chimes in and says, "And if, but if we lose our stars, you know, when will when will they do interviews?" Well, that's bullshit. And the yeah, reason it's bullshit and that is that was what I was like. Yeah. That was the weird part of the article. I was like, but that's uh, just the journalist what? thing, and <laughs> we're, the, we're their entertainment journalists, you know, because yeah. you know who else? which we were, yeah. We, I'll tell you what. So so let's let's tie it. Let's bring it all up together. So Robert Downey Jr. A big part of his profit is back end, right? 
Also, his reputation was trash, and he was not considered yeah. family friendly because he had a very controversial. I'll have to look it up. I'm not trying to bring up people's past failures um, and challenges, but you know the circumstances under which he went to prison were not only unfortunate, but they were scandalous and um, involved the scandal. Race and, and so <laughs> when he yeah, when he I, returned, I love RDJ, guys. Yeah. I'm glad for you yeah. to come back. But yeah. you know, they, he comes back. And by going into this franchise and doing something, you know, the narrative wasn't tortured Robert Downey Jr. taps into his tortured self. It was Robert Downey Jr. can have fun. And, oh, he got jacked while he was in prison, <laughs> you know, and, and suddenly looks doesn't look so round and chubby anymore. And and on top, and then on the business side, he makes his money through the, um, on the back end. So yeah. what do you got to do when you get the back end? You got to promote your thing. You're going to do an interview, <laughs> you know? Uh, I, I do the station to station. Anacostia. It's so small, it's independent. I got to do interviews. Also, actors, filmmakers, you and I both know we like, we like to see ourselves and hear ourselves, and we want people to know we exist and go see our next thing. Well, and again, like you say, with we got to do these interviews, the it's the same thing. There's a lot of saturation in that market. Like you've got to get into the right places to promote, you know, your thing, especially when it's not a big Marvel movie. And and, and I do like that he was sort of talking about that and, and sort of the, you know, the business end that people forget because, you know, we'll talk a little bit about soaps here. I mean, I did a big soap event, like the first Comic-Con for soaps, uh, SoapCon Live. And I will just say, like, yes, it doesn't work the same as a comic book con because the people that are into this stuff, they are collectors. They they are the people that will go see it, even if they trash it online later. And, and they realize that this audience pays. And like you say, when Robert Downey Jr. makes his money on the back end, as do all these actors, as we know, because it's been in the news a lot lately, this is how they make money. And it's a lot of the merchandising. It's a lot about getting the eyeballs there and everything. And they understand that these movies can cost all this much money, but there's so many more people that will buy shit, that will buy right. a ticket. And that doesn't work the same for all content, unfortunately, because even great content, like, like a general hospital, right. it's not something that, you know, your average person pays for, because again, it's mm -hmm. free. It's on ABC. And so, and I know from um, knowing a little bit about the marketing and everything, yes, they have merch and, and we did the comic con, but it, it is a niche base versus the big time. And when studios are spending millions and millions of dollars, I do understand the business side of it that, you know, even if, you know, Thor, the dark world sucked, which it did, <laughs> People went to see it and people bought action figures and people did all this because that's what those people do that are into this. And, and it, you know, and, oh, yeah. Oh, go oh ahead. No, I was just thinking something you said just struck me because I realized something. I think if you want to see the future, and this is something that I think Matt Damon, who may be in that correctly assessing that yeah. he's in the last, the last generation of the old fashioned movie star, maybe may not. And I don't want to speak for him, but may not have the vision to see is that I look at someone like Sebastian Stan. Oh yeah. Me too. So he just, he, <laughs> Thoughts of time machine, I, Sebastian in this Stan. case, we're looking, we're looking in different ways, but um, you know, he just did this movie Mondays mm -hmm. and it's an exceedingly independent film, lower budget. Um, he does full frontal nudity. He does, 
graphic sex scenes. Monday's. Mondays. Mondays. Okay. Yep. And he'll be very happy because everybody in that team wants you to go see it. It's, it's an indie. Yeah. Uh, it's a little uneven, but I, I thought it was really strong, particularly for the two Greek brothers. It I had the nudity. Great. It was shot in Greece, frontal nudity, no. full frontal mm -hmm. nudity. And, uh, and uh, but it's a very sort of raw, very independent story that years ago your agent would have said don't do. And nowadays you can be Jennifer Lawrence or or Sebastian Stan or anybody's making this. You mm -hmm. got that model. Keanu Reeves money. was doing this back in the and, day with my right, own private so, Idaho. Him and right, Peter right. Peter. I mean, right. Yeah. But at the time that was seen. So I remember this. So, the first yeah. entertainment interview I ever did was in high school was with a guy named Darius Gardapane who ran like who was the editor in chief of the magazine that they were like they were in movie theaters about the movies and he had just done a cover story on Keanu Reeves and he was saying even back then that it was considered so risky it could be movie ending uh, yeah. career ending if people saw you and he still worked so hard on that quote system right so if you work for, for cheap or for, for scale on this other thing you could hurt your quote you could hurt your quote but what I'm seeing now is I really went back after seeing Mondays and I went back and I looked at Stan's career and and I'll tell you what Sebastian Stan has done He's played gay way more than than a Matt Damon or a, or a Robert Downey Jr. or whatever have. Um, like, I don't know. Almost Talented like every Mr. Other. Ripley was pretty good. Oh, Talented Mr. Matt Ripley Damon. was great. But I think Sebastian <laughs> so, Stan may have played five or six gay characters. Oh, yeah. You know, in his career. And, and you know, it's uh, it, including television leads and things like that. He's played unsympathetic characters. And it, and what the Marvel I mean, freedom the has allowed him to do. in Hot Tub Time Machine. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so I, I didn't realize you were going there, but indeed, yeah. um, you know, and he's in the weird one, the, the the Olympic one. That one's just weird, but it has also the most bizarre sex scene I've ever seen in a comedy in my entire life. I yeah. can't remember what it's called, but it's like an Olympic one, and and they're both Olympic medalists, and so they have. Oh, they, I'm looking. This they up. imply their skills. It, it's bizarre, uh, funny, but bizarre. But yeah, go for the gold or something like that, and um, and <laughs> when you find the pictures, you'll be like, oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is he does what he that's wants. And that's what the Marvel, first of all, he did a lot of that stuff before Marvel and got cast. Oh, yeah. He's done almost all of it while he's done a lot of it while he's been in the, under the Marvel contract and it's been fine. And now he has the money and the recognition and the stardom to not only elevate this independent art he does or, or lower budget art that he does, he can work for any price. I remember they asked Jennifer Lawrence after she made a film and I can't remember which one it was. She says, I've got two franchises that will keep me rich for the rest of my life. I'm going to make the movies I want now. You know, and some will be good and some will be bad and you'll like some of them and other people won't. I know she did make uh, Mother with Aronofsky, which was just really hard to watch. But she's, I get to do that. And so I think this is the flip side. You know, uh, Matt Damon says, people should know you from from for your acting and not for your franchise are you looking at that <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah uh, i was like i found i'm not kidding on. right that's, like, that oh, is yeah, a typical movie star that isn't a typical movie star career but maybe it's the new one when you've yeah. got jennifer lawrence and sebastian stan to a lesser extent chris evans but what you've got now are people yeah, saying i remember seeing chris evans naked when we snuck into not another teen movie when i was in middle school like i think i was a, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if i ever seen anything but clips because i was a full-on adult at that point but not just nudity but but also but basically all the things that your agent said don't do don't yeah. do this micro indie because if there's a boom in the shot then you'll be associated with cheap film don't do this other thing because because you know it's a micro it's it, it's a low budget film or it's or it's experimental and people will associate with you you know and uh, or it'll lower your quote or whatever not 
whatever, whatnot. And so I think that the flip side for the actor is these franchises. We got a big problem with the fact that everybody wants to make sequels and everybody wants to do that. That's a real thing. Yeah. But related to the actor, it's a lot about China, which is really about against human rights and but see that's industry stuff on the production side, which believe me, I've I've I had a choices I had to make on my own micro budget film that were like that. Um, I hope I made the right ones. Uh, but yeah, it's like given these place. guys, these, these guys, these, these, these actors, these actresses, the freedom to choose what they do next. You know, they can do something gritty or raw. Now, not everybody wants to be, you know, to play five gay yeah. characters and do full frontal nudity. Or be Tommy and Lee in the new Hulu comedy yeah. movie. But see, yeah. but that's the thing. He doesn't have anything to prove or protect. And Marvel, in many ways, has given him that. You know, and, 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 and Robert Downey Jr. is the yeah. same way. Yeah. You know, he's had demons. Maybe, maybe. And that's why I'd ask uh, Matt Damon to check with Robert Downey Jr. first, respectfully, because Robert Downey Jr.'s, eight, I was alive back then. So, like, mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr.'s 80s and 90s were rough. They were, oh, yeah. they were a lot of real life drama. I fired off Allie McBeal because I was pretty right. mad that they let him we, go. Like, but, and that was I supposed to be a second too. chance. That yeah. was supposed to be a second chance. I mean, his entire 80s were cocaine. And and yeah, remember when he was on fights. SNL? I mean, and, and really- yeah, no, and and he, you know, and he did brilliant work. Lesson Zero, Chaplin, oh, that's all this my favorite work. movies. But books. he existed. When on a writer talks about this too, he existed in a state of angst and torture. And then well, I mean, you know, his then, father. I mean, <laughs> right, right. You walk. Then he walks in dressed up, and I can't remember it was like a superhero outfit or woman's clothes or something. You know, into a you know into another person's house, high out of his mind, finds himself in prison. And for all we know, he wants to make Doctor Doolittle and whatever. And if and and if you don't know him as an actor, it's because you're not looking very hard because he was nominated for an Oscar in his twenties. You know, yeah. it's like he's not he's not. And I mean this with all due respect. He's not Eric Roberts, who was never able to was nominated at such a young age, but was never able able to recapture the momentum he had before his is is eric roberts is one of those people though that that makes a ton of money and a perfectly yeah. fine living playing the eric roberts type role i mean most people would even classify you know because because also people you might see mm-hmm. like james woods or somebody like that too that role first person they think of because it's literally considered the eric roberts type role that's who they're going to consider if oh yeah not available you get your james woods you, you know that that's right. iconic but you know him as an actor, but it is. And, and Eric Roberts got to make the eight suicide drama. It's my party in the nineties, maybe 96, maybe uh, with Gregory Harrison. And a lot of people, Olivia Newton, John, a lot of people, people associated with sort of frivolous, but successful endeavors. And they made this incredible market show. I think was in it, this incredibly touching drama about a man who was planning his own suicide. He's going to throw a big goodbye party and then commit suicide at the end of the party because his HIV has become AIDS. And at the time in the nineties, the, the, yeah, it was a you know, it was yeah. And so, but could Eric Roberts, who was a star 90 and personal best and all these things was a personal best. I don't remember. Uh, uh, star 80 of, of, but you know, these movies he'd been nominated for. I know, I'm like personal yeah. best. I was like, wasn't that a lesbian movie? Or am it I was, it yeah. was, it was. And that's yeah. why I'm trying to remember whether, I know it was yeah, Star 80. That was one about the Playmate. And then I can't remember the one he was nominated for. But 
you know, had he not had his trials and tribulations, would he have had the freedom or the bravery to make a film like that? So, so yeah. I guess that's the button I want to put on it. Matt Damon really isn't known for making a lot of no budget indies, except for a few comedies. Um, no. And that's fine. He's, he's got the career he wants. And it, but, but, but the, but there were shackles that came with being an old school leading man and movie star. Especially yeah. if you were a female, especially if you're a woman, the expectations, the things you couldn't do, don't date a black guy, don't don't have don't have a bad day, don't snap at don't snap at the thing or you'll be a bitch, right? So there were shackles that came with being an old fashioned movie star. And I think it's something we all have to remember to do, which is to not get too nostalgic about the way it was in my day. Uh, you know, because oh, there's I mean, always you know, it's soap fans. Yeah. I mean, they oh, always believe complain me. Boy, about how it's know. not like the day. Oh, you right. mean like uh, when they didn't have gay people? Or, right, yeah, right. Like guys, guys, I don't think you know what you're saying. <laughs> right, and, and of course, what do we always remember? We remember the iconic things. There was a lot of crap, and yeah. so I think oh, all, yeah, all I would time. say is he, he, his, his. I, I try very hard to see everyone's opinions through the through the lens of their experience, you know, where you stand depends on where you sit kind of thing. And yeah. so I don't ever, I try not to say this is bullshit because I don't, and I don't believe it was, unless I'm you sure said he made some exactly really good points. He, right. exactly he made some really good points yeah. and he's older than I am. He and I have actually, he was in a much larger part, but not very large. We were in my first movie. He and I were in the same movie. Uh, so it was a movie by Ed Zwick called Purge Under Fire. I was background. Very sexy background, and uh, and he was in a very small but consequential part in that movie. It was shot in Austin in the nineties, and uh, and we met and we actually ran into each other twice. And I, I'd like to believe it's because he was very hungry. Uh, his character, he he lost a lot of weight for yeah. for, for the part. Well, yeah, and, I remember uh, him for School Ties. Like like yeah, he, was, he really did some great like early nineties stuff. Like yeah, and you know, and you and I know actors yeah. too. We all have our own. Like you and I are actors. We work with actors, and we have other things. We all have our own process. Mm -hmm. Some of us take it very seriously. You know, on my film, we'll and talk I do feel more like more. he does yeah. that. Yeah, right, and that's yeah. okay because yeah. whatever he does works. But I, you know, on my film, uh, there's a scene where a character uh, hyperventilates. He has a panic attack. And and it was a fun it was a fun scene to shoot because of where we were. So the sound guy had to be in the trunk of the car, <laughs> and uh, like literally locked in the trunk. And I had to hide behind the wheel well uh, so that the camera wouldn't catch us. So and then listen to the monitor through a thing coming out of the trunk. And when I heard him having this panic attack, as soon as I called cut, I ran over to make sure it was okay. I just wanted to give him a hug and just make sure he's okay. And he's laughing. He's like, "I'm fine. What was wrong?" Yeah. And you know, and but other people will say, "Okay, now I need twenty minutes to get out of this place," and both yeah. are valid. As is, it's I believe you should, yeah. exactly. As is, I would like to be remembered, you know, by a smaller group of people, like you know, for these powerful performances that were so raw. And I would like to be in classics that people watch for the next 50, 60 years because I made them smile and have fun. And so, if you take away the implied criticism of what Matt Damon is doing. Uh, I think he makes some good points, and I think it's only natural to look back on what you knew and what inspired you and say, but will anybody ever feel that again? But I always say, when things change, they often open up opportunities, and I'd much rather have the the diverse set of stars we have today and the fact that people like Simone Biles uh, are allowed to have uh, you know, Naomi Osaka. We don't have to agree, 
we only have to say, hey, this is their, I hate the expression their truth because I kind of believe that yeah, it's something like, is either true or not. Truth, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I, I don't like that either. Like my mom's but always their like, reality, their, their perspective, the yeah. their reality, their perspective, and their experiences. And as someone who came, didn't come, no, I did burn out. I did burn out and, um, and nearly lost a lot. And a lot of it came from the fact that I never felt like I could ask for help or tell anybody I was burning out because um, I was allowed to. And then when I did, people didn't believe me. It just was, oh, you're just using it as an excuse, you know. And so, and, it's and so I the just, people that try to use things right. as an excuse that say right, that. Exactly. Uh, well, when, once again, where you stand is where you sit, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. If, if you do something, if you if you lie a lot, if you're a kind of person that lies, oh, I'm running late. Oh, it's in traffic or whatever. Yeah. You just assume everybody does that. Yeah. And so all, all I would say about that is the journalists could probably check themselves. They're going to be fine. In fact, they're going to have a supply. The more content there is, the more choice they're going to have the biggest stars. And they can pick the stars that they want. <laughs> and it's just so unfortunate because the term journalist means uh, something else. It, Very different than when I was in like, journalism yeah. school, right? It, it, yeah. It's like, oh, wait, mm -hmm. you know, I understand there there's narrative, but narrative used to meant like, okay, we talked about this, but I chose to pick this angle, just this piece to go with, because this other stuff really isn't going to go here. Okay, you're not, you're just like omitting, you're not completely right. changing something well, to fit what you're going for. Like, like sadly, I mean, and again, like, wasn't there a study, it was a few years ago, when they asked like journalists today, why they became journalists, it wasn't about, I want to get to the truth, I want to investigate, I want to, you know, report it was all about they want to change the world and as Adam and that's not say, really all roads lead to narcissism I, and that's not good. <laughs> yeah. I was i was in journalism school from 94 to 98 yeah. and uh in, in austin and it was amazing because uh, austin is famously texas is a famously sort of liberal school but we had a professor named marvin Olasky who went on to work for the bush administration so that that's your first clue and he used to teach us how to recognize our own bias politicians are pretty much yeah. the same guys it's really an us versus them it's very <laughs> cute when people try to be like oh the republicans or oh the democrats it's like you mean to tell me that, that that these guys, just like your lawyers, don't go have a beer after? Like some well, you know, may actually that, hate that each really other. Used but, to be true. I'm getting a little uh, nervous yeah. now. Now, but yeah. if you ever want to have me on to talk about sort of this, the the psychology and the evolution of Washington and oh how you know, yeah, that's like so, a ten part yeah. series. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the way the dinner parties used to work and all those things versus how it works now and the, the impact of the of the internet and and money and how they. They have to keep up appearances. I can, mm -hmm. oh, can I tell you stories about that? Um, but yeah, well, Marvin Olasky taught us to recognize bias in our own writing. And one of the things he says, if you're starting out uh, and wondering, like, what do I want to do with this story? Then you probably need to stop. Because it's a natural human instinct. And there's nothing wrong with what to do. But your goal should never be to change the world. Your goal should be able to, your goal should never be to fix a problem. Your goal should be able to tell people enough that they know the problem exists and they want to fix it. And that you know? they make their own choices because yeah. that's oh, yeah. really the key here. And that's what's really scary with what's going on right now. And it doesn't. And, and the fact that we have to choose sides, it's like, yep. no, I'm on the side of humanity um, right. and, and, you know, wanting to actually progress. And, and it's definitely not a left or right issue. And it's so sad. Well, very few People things have really are corrupted. It and like like so much like that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're not this, then you're this. Then no, that that's that's just not how. And and what I think the work. proof, 
Well, we learned most recently, and you know, we've known that in the past the the conservative and the liberal party have flipped before. So Democrats were more conservative, and 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 they've and they've and they've since they became the liberal party, and so on and so forth. I think you're seeing another shift now because what we're seeing is that all the things you say you stand for. At the end of the day, we're human. We're, we're psychology still applies, and so all the things we say we stand for, if they threaten one of our fundamental needs, you know, think Maslow level type needs, uh, we'll we'll change our tune real quick. So you know, a party that says no tax cuts will suddenly be for tax cuts when they're for the right reason. A party that says you know person personal freedom and choice will suddenly say make very rules and say I'm going to mandate you can do this. So what it really have to do is like you said. Parties are meant to be an organizing principle They're, to get things done in a group, to, to pull the money. They are not meant to tell you who you, what you believe in, what yeah, you must they're do. They're not an ideology yeah, or, or who you must hate. Yeah. You know, like, exactly. Yeah. People and, and, are very religious about it. And yeah. Like, oh yeah. Isn't it yeah. strange? Cause you and yeah. I are from Texas. Oh, so yeah. we know from religious people and, um, and, and I am actually more quietly religious than, than, than you see these days, but I'm a pretty religious person. That's my background. And, and that's my life. But at the same time, yeah, I would say that some people I know their their ideology is more is more. But this is a good. This is actually a really great transition to the Olympics because yeah, one of the things I think has been dangerous is as we move from telling a story to telling a narrative, from finding an angle to your. So there's nothing wrong with finding an angle. You know, yeah. I, I interview. You're fascinating. You're like me. You have all these multi hyphenates. So is Loki. You're, you know, you're, you're at my angle. How do I come at it? How do I sit there and say, uh, this woman who at first may seem like, you know, she's a cynical, but bitingly funny comedian, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, but her love of soaps or her love of her dog or whatever, you know, that's my angle that, that will help people remember you and set you apart. But if the narrative is she's fake, because she puts this whole like I'm a cynical thing, but then she like loves on her dog and watches soaps, you know. Then that's that's yeah. the problem because a narrative has to be created. An angle and is they found. Love to box people yeah. in these days as much as the the narrative is that that we want everybody to be who they are. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it, somebody can't be trans but Republican because we'll just right. use the example of Caitlyn Jenner. Well, she is. You can't mm -hmm. change that. Like that's who she right. is. Right, it is. But then, her. but then it becomes yeah. you're not yeah. a real Christian. You're not a yeah. real Republican. You're not a real Democrat. You're not a real actor. You're not a real. And and I'm yeah. just sitting there going. And if anybody remembers fallacies from school, you know the no true Scotsman. No true Scotsman would do this. There's a reason that that's a fallacy because it's fallacious, yeah. uh, well, not fallacious. fallacious. It's like I'm pretty yeah. sure she is, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, sorry, you know. And it's, no. uh, you know, I always loved growing up where it was like, well, are you Asian or are you black? Well, you're both <laughs> looking around my family. I'm not and Irish. Yeah. And you know what? Go all out on all three in the traditions. But I think when you look at someone like Simone Biles, well, I'll start more recently. Last night, Rye Benjamin uh, won, uh, came in second, won the silver. And that was the greatest race I've ever seen in my entire life was hurdles. And his Norwegian uh, counterpart was the world record holder. You know, and, and 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 he's super extra, like a Viking horns. <laughs> he tried to rip his shirt off. Oh, I love the, that. The clasp was still there, so he had like this diamond-shaped rip. You know, and he couldn't get it open on, on like the world stage as he's trying to pull it open. And and so these guys are going to be yeah. one of the great. His name is Karsten. Um, they're going to be one of the great, assuming no one gets injured, running rivalries. And somebody has to come in second. But Rye Benjamin during his interview is crying and apologizing 
to America and apologizing to um, his mom for coming in second and for failing. And and it was so wonderful because Karsten um, came up afterwards because he was in the box to come in next. And he's like, let me tell you, that guy's amazing. He So Rye Benjamin broke the world record, except Karsten created a new world record fractions of a second sooner when he won. God. And so he's like, he, he beat the world record. You know, he deserves a gold too. He's amazing. And I can't wait to run him because, you know, this is going to be rivalry for years. But it's the narrative. The angle is this guy comes in and he's the biggest threat to the world record holder. The narrative is he's America's hope. You know, yeah. he, he he's going to do it to the point All where a young 24-year-old, yeah. 24, I'm 44 now, let me tell you, 24 is, for 24-year-olds, it's the oldest you've ever been. But when you're 44, you realize, oh my God, I was, I was just starting my second adolescence, you know, in my 20s. Because your 20s sucks, guys, and that's fine oh, because it, now it, you're it, learning it's like you spend you do all your physical growing in your in your teens and then you have to do all your emotional growth in the real world like in a real world exercise where there's real money and real stakes and this kid is 24 and we're being told the expectations of a nation are on him uh simone biles simone biles is indeed mathematically the greatest gymnast to ever you know she's now tied with shannon miller uh with the greatest number of medals but with for olympic medals but she has the most medals of all she's the most world championships yeah. and she has the most gold she's twice as many golds as miller we didn't need that's the angle she comes in will this be will this and it was a perfectly good angle to sit there and say will she continue her dominance or will this be the great moment that happens in every great athlete where they miss a step and 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 you start and you start and now it's time to pass the torch will we discover the new simone biles Instead, the narrative became goat, goat, goat. I mean, she went in for that that interview with NBC, and they brought in a physical goat to shoot a package, you know, with her. And then she she looks she looks like amused or whatever. Yeah. But that kind of hype machine, you know, there's a reason Michael Phelps talks about his mental health falling apart. And full disclosure, and that's I the reason my mom always told me to look yeah. up to Michael Phelps because he showed the potheads can do something great. <laughs> but you know, he was talking like, about yesterday, died, man. I do think he did quite a bit for. <laughs> I do think he did. Oh, I, I did think he did quite a bit for um, for uh, people recognizing. So, because if you agreed with them, you said he shouldn't be vilified for doing something that many people need. You know, many yeah. people do for. And if you disagreed, how then do you think then I no, have this no one, guys? Is winning. Then no one should be. Then you have to agree that no one should be under the circumstance where they have to seek to self-medicate in something that you disapprove of, you know, to do it. So let's get this conversation started. But there we went right again. So it's so funny. I love the Olympics. For those of you who don't know, I am an Olympics nut. Like, like crazy. I'm a sucker for anything where countries... Or groups. I'd love if we had these kinds of things in the United States. I think it actually brings us together. I grew up in, partly in Europe. I was born there. And um, and like I love Eurovision. It's a wild, crazy trip. You know, I, I, I don't do drugs, but I suspect Eurovision would be very fun to watch while high. I bet many oh, people yeah. do that. Um, but, uh, and I've watched it all well, for like, you can this, watch like, cats, guys. I, uh, I, mushrooms, I, and then cats I, I, is not so bad. Like, oh my God, I hadn't even considered Eurovision on mushrooms. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you know, those of you who do so, just a safe plan report back to me because I live vicariously like through everybody. I'm disabled and have, have, have quite a few health challenges, so I don't get to do anything rebellious or fun, but it's, it's made me, it's made me who I am. But, uh, but it's, um, it's one of those things where I look back and I say, if we had not said 
that someone has the pressure to be the greatest. And if the expectation was anything less than gold for someone who was the greatest is a failure. Uh, yeah. Would Michael Phelps, would have Simone Biles um, when making a choice for safety, which actually, and the angle in that story could be, and I've tried even on Facebook to reinforce this and, and social media, the angle of the story could be Michaela Skinner was about to finish her career with, with no yeah. chance ever to individually win a medal. And by Simone Biles bowing out for safety and mental health reasons, gave her a platform she, she never would have had before you know yeah. and, and and that's that's, that's leadership and teamwork it, yes. like, you know and, and i do understand the argument against like you know we shouldn't be like celebrating simone biles for quitting and i'm like okay yeah you know what just say look it was her. we should this shouldn't even be a story really much of the beginning simone biles has dropped out for mental health reasons great good for her move on. Michaela's the next mm -hmm. up. Great. Then let's focus on her mm -hmm. and what she has done. But it is all about that divide and conquer. And you have to have this narrative. There, yeah. Somebody has to be a hero and somebody has to be a loser. And there is no... That's why I kept trying to frame it because people, you know, my background is military and, you know, my dad's general, my grandfather's generals, my brothers and sisters are all in, or, or in-laws are all in the military. And, uh, and it really bugged me, this idea that, you know, oh, well, you know, could a military person... Well, no. If you were in the battle... You can't just leave for mental reasons. But if you are on SEAL Team 6 and you're prepping and you start having, you know, PTSD flashbacks, if you start, you know, you're having it trouble at home and you can't focus, yeah. and you think that something that you may not do, something you may get yourself or someone else killed because we never leave a soldier behind, right? So if you get injured, people have to stop doing what they're supposed to be doing and carry you off. That's in the Army Creed. Now, SEALs are, are Navy, but the Army has Rangers and Delta Force. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, I'm getting nerdy on you. Mil, mil, mil nerd, sorry. I actually knew and, uh, yeah, and, uh, Explain it to the audience. Yeah, You're even more awesome yeah. than I thought. And, but the idea is you would want them to say, you know, you would want them to say, I am not ready, and this is why we have alternates. You know, yeah. and, and so, you know, because I'd love to watch Novak Djokovic play, but good Lord, man. Good Lord. If you're not mentally ready, don't tell your your doubles partner whom this is. This may be her only chance. I don't know what her her Olympic background is, but she was set to play for a medal with him, and he drops out the day before. And he does say, you know, I'm just exhausted. I gave everything. I'm mentally exhausted. And I'm like, okay, so you get it. But there's a big difference if if we need to parse it at all and not just do what you're saying, which is just accept. If someone says I can't do it, just accept yeah. it. They don't owe you an explanation. But if you're gonna parse it, then let's look at someone who. If Simone Biles had, had gotten up to the thing and been like, I can't do it and walked off, the U.S. would have had nothing. Just, but yeah. if you say before it starts within the rules while there's still people, and then she texts Michaela Skinner and says, don't fly home tomorrow. I'll get back to you in just a little bit. Um, I think that, that we have learning opportunities. We have teaching opportunities here for people to understand that leadership comes in all forms. And while I would absolutely like people to not have to drop out of films, I mean, wouldn't it have been nicer if Army Hammer had said, hey, I'm not feeling so great. I'm going to go sort some shit out before the whole world knew about his cannibalism and I'd like to eat your bones. And then he had to then he had to drop out of that Jennifer Lopez movie and all of these things. Hey, I mean, wouldn't it have been better if he had just been able to call up the, the Jennifer know, Lopez I, movie team and, and, and his ex-wife and say, hey, I got some shit I need to deal with? Instead, you know, instead, I don't want to read about him munching on people's bones. Jesus. Please, no, I laugh because, like, I, I, and this just goes into my psychology, mm -hmm. guys. We're getting deep here. Um, I was always attracted to Army Hammer, and I never. Uh, I mean, who wasn't? Like, like inanimate objects were attracted to Army yeah. Hammer. 
But but for me, it's like he seems like such a basic bitch. I actually much prefer the guy who replaced him in the movie, a Josh Dumel. I mean, he was Leo Dupre on All My Children. He's funny. He was married to Perky. Like, that's more my type. But I was like, what's the deal with me being attracted to that basic B, Army Hammer? Oh. All this news starts coming out, and I'm like, you could tell. There we go. I was like, I knew you he could was tell. But you yeah. And well, you know, my first clue problems, but, yeah, was you know, Homie didn't know. Homie didn't know that your likes on Twitter. Yeah are available to everybody. So a few years ago, <laughs> when people started to get real obsessed with him, if somebody went on there and realized he had liked all these bondage type things and like not tying and women being tied up. And that you was know, the first clue. But you know, but I'm but I'm very sex positive. Things, guys. Like, yeah. Yeah. Know. I'm very sex positive and and it's funny because I am an uh American Catholic, grew up in the military, so people think I'm gonna be really conservative, but I was also born in Germany where for decades, you got off the plane and Dr. Mueller's sex shop was the first ad you saw in the airport because there was a sex shop in the airport. Um, yeah, that sounds I like Germany. From, there's a reason I come from the most, Germany I come, or Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I come from the most naked country. I was born in the most naked country in the world. And um, where literally you can go to a gym and some gyms, you'll, you'll be like a woman changing right next to you when you're a man. Because why are we having two changing rooms? What's wrong with you, perv? What's wrong with you, perv? Huh? 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 Yeah. You? Huh? It, huh? It's just like the Korean spas. It takes some getting oh, used yeah. to. Like me and my mom, like the first time we went to one, like when I was, you know, in my early 20s, we were like, oh, okay. And then we we go, you know, now that there was, I'm trying to go this weekend, actually. It's well, like, I, have to yeah, explain actually yeah. I have to explain to people in Germany, I'm like, you can come, yeah. but half, the, half of this water park is mandatory nudity. Like if you walk in with your bathing suit on, they will turn you around and say no. So you can come, but do you want to sit pouting in the kiddie pool the whole time, or do you or do you understand? Are you okay with this? And yeah, it says no out. bathing suits in the hot tubs, but they but, are separated by gender. But yeah, but I would be remiss if I did not ask Matt Damon style about Army Hammer. Who's <laughs> the leading yeah. man? Who's the leading man? Right? Well, oh, yeah. what it was happening to old school leading men. But the truth is. Army Hammer, and I wish the best for him. Is gonna, I hope. The yeah, I hope he Robert Downey does some weird stuff. And, and again, guys, I hope he Robert Downey Jr. Is adults is like whatever. But I, I hope he Robert Downey yeah. Jr. Is this. Oh yeah. I hope he comes out of this because he grew up. You know, people. I, I do agree with whoever the, the anonymous source, the friends of friends, who said, "Look, people think because he grew up in a really, really rich family that you don't have any problems." You know, oh, and and privilege is <laughs> privilege is privilege is privilege. Yeah. But there's always room for problems. Just because you have money for yeah. a therapist doesn't right. mean you didn't need one. Like, right. and exactly. that's where I'll oh. say there was always privileges. Right. I, I grew up, you know, the mm -hmm. poor friend in a in a more affluent community. But there really is, sadly, guys, like the rich people, they got a lot of problems, just like the poor people. It's sadly you the said. middle class that guys, like, I know you got your thing, but it's just far less rare than, than the really rich or the really poor. <laughs> well, when I was in college, Plano was having like a heroin a heroin problem oh, for teenagers. Yeah. Like I hope, hope they still do. <laughs> yeah. But it was insane because I was always like, isn't Plano relatively well to do? And they were like, yeah. And, and I was asking my friend who was going to YouTube with me. And she was like, oh yeah, people on heroin it was just starting to have overdoses. Unfortunately, fortunately slash unfortunately, the opioid thing hadn't happened yet. So people weren't accidentally overdosing on things that looked like aspirin. And and I said, I said, well, thank God you never got involved in this. She's like, I could have. And I said, 
oh, she says, I was just with the poor friend. <laughs> she was like, I ain't got heroin money. So so that was the one thing that benefited her. She was still trying to keep up with the clothes and the cars and, and, the, and the football stadiums that cost a billion dollars. Yeah, and that's all of why those I smoked pot. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, my only crack money. in the Walmart parking but lot. Exactly, like, <laughs> you know, but, but the truth know? is, the truth is, what, what her friends, and we had a great conversation, but she says, you know, but all these affluent friends were making it work on like the Dallas, you know, in the Dallas world of like, you know, business and finance and all these things like this, but they weren't home. They never saw their parents. They never yeah. did any of these things. And they had time to get a caught on heroin and to, and, to, and to become heroin junkies before their parents even noticed. So I respect, I don't know Army Hammer's story, but I would much rather have whatever authentic Army Hammer comes out on the other side, hopefully, if he, if he does the work and, 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 and he can, um, then the, the movie make Fifty Shades right. of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> the movie star Army Hammer, who was a fantasy, and and I think that Matt Damon has done a wonderful job, you know, and for all the Olympians who've been able to to pull this off. But for every you know sort of star who keeps their nose clean and avoids all major scandal, there are people like Simone Biles who 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 need to step away, and and then the old system. She wouldn't have been allowed to. How many gymnasts have come out and said, you know, Dominique Mosciano, things like that, uh, you know, I was forced to do this. I didn't have a choice, you know, and you all are celebrating me, but you're not, you're not thinking of literally the dozens, if not hundreds of forgotten people who at clutch time performed while injured and, 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 and failed, didn't land on the podium and went home and they have a lifelong injury and you don't remember their name. You only remember the ones who against all odds did that, but is that for me? Or is that for you? And, and so I think Matt Damon has, has one kind of privilege that, God bless him, I'm glad he has, and I don't resent it at all, which is that he didn't have these problems. You know, Ben yeah. had substance abuse problems. You know, um, Army Hammer has, you know, I want to eat your bones, boil them up and make some consomme and drink the bone broth uh, problems. But, uh, but I think that in you a know, world where you're allowed to be imperfect, you're allowed to be imperfect, maybe that Ryan Lochte doesn't, you know, rough up a, a gas station and then turn around and, and lie about it and whatever, because he can just be your sweet Ryan Little Slow Lochte uh, yeah. and not and not have to be America's savior and then you know and not have to and uh, and I think Michael Phelps smokes a bowl and then the controversy at least allows him to. Well, you know, Ricky Williams him. quit the NFL because they. Ricky they Williams used to sit behind me in class. You know, to smoke pot. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, and I get, you know, I love Ricky Williams. He's really interesting mm -hmm. and a really funny and insightful mm -hmm. guy. But yeah, I mean, the world has changed. And, and again, I like that we're trying to get more real, even though people right. keep fighting against it on the social media. And that's sort of where this all comes out. The key out. thing is like, nobody owes anybody anything. No. And, and we got we to owe ourselves to be the best people. Yeah. Because if you like, got kids, you owe them some shit, right? You know, yeah. you got a spouse, you owe it to keep it in your yeah, pants unless you have an arrangement. <laughs> yeah. You know, if yeah, you have elderly parents, don't let them eat dog food on the street when you got yeah. money. But in life, not Army Hammer. Not not Matt Damon, not Robert Downey Jr. Um, if Army Hammer wants to make only kids films from now on, that's his deal. <laughs> if he wants to retire, that's his deal. Whatever is good for him and his headspace. And so, you know, the Olympics. I, 
it, right. it, you know, and, and it's there. And again, they're competing in the Olympics, but it's their choice if they don't want to right. either. It, and that's just where I say it's all about personal choice. And I know that we could get into some other topics, but, but I think that, mm-hmm. that we live in a world where people want to really do have this weird need to control other people. And, and I think it was Zuby. I'm a big fan of his. I, I didn't even realize he was a musician. I know him more as a provocateur and a podcast guest. But he, you know, did these 20 things he learned in the past year. And one of them was is just how many people really have a need for totalian totalitarianism. And oh. it's and again, that's what people are doing, whether you're just like really trying to compul- control Simone Biles and want these people to be something they're not and exalt them. You're trying to live vicariously and control them with your choices. Then that's they're their own person. And if they want to smoke pot. And they don't mind quitting the NFL. I mean, Ricky Williams is probably more known now than he was when he was in the NFL. And, you know, like we say, Michael Phelps and Brian Lochte and a lot of these people, they're known because they stood up and they made their own choice. And sometimes and, and, you doing what other people want you to do is not necessarily. Well, and there's another help. twist, too, on there's another twist on a wrinkle, I would say, a layer to this idea when you're talking about a Ryan Lochte or a Simone Biles or Ricky Williams. And as I mentioned, I, I went to school with Ricky Williams. We were not friends, yeah. but we were, we were friendly. And um, we were often, we were twice, we were the only black people in, in the class. Uh, and it was, but uh, it, it's that when you are really good at something, when you are a minor, and I, and actually I'm exploring this in another project I'm working on right now uh, about a skier, but, what are the ramifications? So the Williams sisters, they're yeah. amazing at something by the time they're 10 or 11. Tiger Woods, amazing at something. Every one of us Tiger is like, Woods no, I want to be a no firefighter. Life. No, yeah. I want to be a priest. Yeah. No, maybe I'll be a stripper. You know, it's like, we can we can do all that. No, from like, as long as you can remember, you are going to be a diver. You are going to be a whatever. That choice has to get made really early on. It doesn't matter what exceptional talent and potential I had at age 11. If we didn't stop and focus on it, I ain't going to the Olympics. You know, so oh, yeah. Simone I Biles was, was discovered as a child. For the, right. you know, for gymnastics. Mm-hmm. I was on a pre-Olympic team, mm-hmm. but I hurt my neck really bad, and I was like, fuck it, I just want to play gymnastics. That's not what I want to do. This sucks. Like, right. my mom... My mom was like, sure, it's your life. Like, whatever. See, thank God you had a parent who was like that. Like, no, I'm not saying yeah. we would never have this level of greatness if you didn't have that push and pull. But there comes a point, I think, in your early 20s, especially when you realize I've been doing this my whole life and I have the choice whether I want to continue doing it. And if that comes at the Olympics, Lord, I remember Tony Geary reading, reading a story. Tony Geary didn't tell me this. But he was t- saying a story about how Jane Elliott like, kind of snapped him. These are actors in General Hospital, for those of you who don't know. He was the famous Luke in the Luke and Laura pairing. Um, how he, he'd been doing it for so long and, and he also liked the art. You know, He's always said he liked the opera more than he liked the soap. And um, and he said, you may know the story. He says, you know, I'm so bored right before they're about to go. And Jane Elliott looks at him and she says, yeah, but Luke isn't. And he says, you know, she checked me right there. Because as long as I'm accepting this paycheck to do this job, I need to do the best. Or I need to say, I can't do it and let somebody else do it. And, and I think that's kind of what he did. On General Hospital yeah. now would do. Yeah, but it's it's that it's that idea. If or take a break, or yeah. say, you know what, I'm or, or I need to recharge, and you know, and I and I actually like uh, Kirsten Storms' it's not fair to trajectory your partner, right now. To your team, right? To, to whoever. Right. 
if you're not there, if you're not. And that's why I would say is I do not like if you, if you need to contrast the two and I don't like narratives because you never know anybody's Mm -hmm. story and you also don't know the cultural factors that come from in these things, but compared Novak Djokovic, who says he knew he was exhausted and he might drop out or whatever. He lost, throws things, acts unsportsmanlike, and then drops out right before a bronze medal match with his female doubles partner, who will never be as famous and rich as he is, but might have had a bronze medal from the Olympics if he hadn't dropped out at the last minute, saying he was mentally exhausted. Um, and someone who, who recognizes that early enough to drop out to provide the maximum opportunity to somebody else. And so I think, but they're both examples of the same thing is what were you raised with? You can't quit. You can't quit. You must do this. Um, Michael Phelps probably still had another Olympic center. He probably did. He probably would have been, you know, on the decline, but I'll bet you had another, I mean, he's Michael fucking Phelps. And, um, and some of these actors, you know, we have expectations, but you know, Tony Geary, people love him, people hate him, but you know, when, but he eventually, he, he lived his own words when he was done, he was done. Yeah, but or like Kristen Alfonso. I mean, right, I respected right. her more for just saying, you know what, I- I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm not out. feeling it. And, and just like, you know, there were several other people on this show that some had done the same thing. And then when mm-hmm. they came back, they were invigorated on Days of right. Our Lives, um, which I've missed during the Olympics. <laughs> but yeah, and, and as a new viewer, but there was another actor that um, has since been replaced. Uh, you can put two and two together, guys. And it, it's just like, you know, they made the choice for themselves. Why couldn't you do that? I mean, and like you say, some of it is a cultural thing because yeah, if we go back and we look at Tiger Woods and we sort of see why he, you know, unfortunately unraveled like he did in a lot of ways. It's like, oh, he didn't have a childhood. He didn't get to fuck up. So when we get to right. learn those things, and he about had to, him, sorry, we understand the why he was like the oh, weight of expectations for black world. people and Asian people in a sport. Said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I watched that with the thing, and I understand it. I understand it when I watched the King Richard thing, when when um, Richard Williams looks at Venus and Serena and mm. says, you're, you're not just playing for this, you're playing for every black girl out there. I have been told this myself in the work that I do. And more more importantly than having been told, forgive me, I've been cracking jokes this whole time, but more importantly than having been told, I have felt it when I am the only black person in the room with the, with the White House. You know, I'm the only, only black person in the room, you know, with, with, with the... The Pentagon, you know, at the Pentagon, and and I know that if I come, particularly when I was younger, if I come across as ignorant or unprepared or whatever, people would say, you know, I I took a chance, but you know, or this is why I want only people from Harvard, not not guys who went to Texas. I want only people from this and that. I want only you know, unfortunately, people and, who look like me. That and I it is talk. a realistic mm-hmm. feeling, and, and mm-hmm. sadly, like it is always a give and take. Everything is in the balance. It is the middle. Cause there are certainly, cause I say this as a woman who's been, yeah, you know, yeah. a woman in comedy and, and yeah, yeah. typically there was like only small offerings, but I do wish sometimes that some of my female counterparts maybe thought a little bit more about that than just fucking up or acting like, no, it's know, a very yeah, real like, thing you because you're like, it, you're the like, one, yeah. you know, you, you are the one opening doors. Yeah. And yeah, and, and what you don't realize for those of you who are listening who have not been in any marginalized group, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm black and I'm Asian and, and uh, quite a few other things. And, but is that, what, what am I trying to say? It's that you look up to the people who are there. I mean, I know it wasn't easy for Simone Biles. I know it wasn't yeah. easy for, for Gabby Douglas. I know it wasn't easy for Dominique Dawes um, and, or for Suni Lee. You know, but but also, I, I would say beyond all of that, 
we all have a moment as, as someone who's burnt out and as someone who's changed careers. There was a moment when I was writing, I like, I'm, I'm great at writing press releases and case studies. And they were taking me longer and longer to write for my clients. And I realized because I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't that someone asked me, sick, I'm on vacation. Someone says, when you go back, will you enjoy it? You know, it was that I knew I was done, at least yeah, for now. You've checked you know, out. I mean, it's, it's, it's when, it's when we switch trends, when we transition from Obama to, uh, to Trump, the appointees come in and they have different ways to do things. And I had never been, I've never been asked to include, to deal with political considerations for things. You know, uh, that's not the type of work I do. You know, I don't, I don't run political campaigns and that kind of thing. And, and, and now it was to sit there and say, or to not give this information to these people or whatever. And, and that's a valid way to do it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to stay away from judging it entirely. I'm going to say that's not how I, and I don't want to do this. And so I said, like, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. And I think that it's okay when Christian Alfonso gets the call and they're describing how they're going to, we're going to give you a six month break. Everybody wanted to focus. You need the narrative, right? On the six yeah. month break and disrespecting vets. She'd had time off. Yeah. She is. I, I don't understand why some people. She's don't been doing it for 30 some yeah. years. Just because, and most people don't do their job for that long. And, and this is where empathy really comes in. And so fans, you guys are the worst when it comes to this. Sorry. But, but it is a matter of like, guys, like that's like them coming into your job. So you work at a bank. Well, I want to see so-and-so every day. Well, they don't want to come to work every fucking day. <laughs> like, you know, they, right. they love their paycheck. They love their job. I mean, until they don't. I mean, and this idea that people don't want to retire. I mean, when they themselves, it comes out of the horse's mouth, literally. I wanted well, to retire. Jane Elliott. I used to always say people in, sit there you know? all, why aren't all these people at the uh, at the wedding? And why aren't all these people at the, um, for some reason, my earbuds have disconnected. Whoops. And I apologize. I Give me one you. second. You're good. Why aren't these people at this character's wedding? Or why aren't all these people not, uh, doing these sorts of things? And um, and one of the things that I would always say is, you know, maybe they had a dentist appointment. Yeah. Maybe their kids, you know, had something to do that day. Oh my and God! But God, uh, God, ever imply that you think a woman because loves and for wants us, to spend time it's, with their it's all of this, but for them, it's their yeah. job. Yeah. And um, and that doesn't mean they don't enjoy bringing all of this to you. It doesn't mean I enjoy solving problems or getting to say that I work you know, on a project for the press of the United States. It's that I also want to be able to sleep. You know, all of those all of those uh, projects I did for the Obama White House, all you know, that. So I'm sleeping on the floor of the Pentagon when I'm working on these big projects. And maybe I just want, you know, I'm turning down the next one because I want to sleep, not because I don't love my country. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm 44 now and it, and it takes, it takes, it's a, it's longer recovery time between these things. And so I think what it really comes down to, and I think this ties it all together, Matt Damon, um, you know, the soaps, uh, the uh, Matt Damon, the soaps, the, the, the Olympics is, is this idea that everyone comes from their own place, from their own perspective and their own point of view. And if you're following the golden rule, try to maximize the good for everybody, you know, and you're trying to minimize the damage and not be selfish. We have to understand and not everything is sports. There's something wonderful about sports where you can sit in a bar and and I used to laugh and I, I asked my dad the a question when I was, thing to when a meritocracy we have. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I asked my dad when I was a when I was a kid a question and he laughed at me because I said uh you know, all of these guys here at this part at whatever party get together whatever all say they know exactly what the coach should have done. And then the Wedskins, I think it was the time, would have won. 
Yeah. Right. And I'm laughing and I'm like, but the coaches have all this experience, but it's like, and they're not all saying the same thing. So how do these guys who've never played football since like high school all know exactly the one thing or the decisions that should have been made. And dad's like, that's just how you talk shit about sports. And he's <laughs> yeah. certainly right. Right. And I think that, but we have to remember that that's part of the deal with sports. And that's, that's the difference say between, um, when you tag an actor in, in a, in a, uh, yeah. in a post or attack an actor for their character. I know Alicia Lee Willis talked about people screaming at her, uh, you know, leave your mother alone on another world or, or yeah. Carrie Genzel, the police were stopping her to tell her to not fuck around with Eric Kane's, you know, uh, oh, Maria and Evans' baby. I can't remember. Who it was. <laughs> but you know, it's it's. But generally, you know, we get mad at the team or we get mad at the coach. I think what we need to remember is we've gotten a lot more um, granular with that. That everything is sports. That we can sit there on Twitter and openly discuss while tagging a twenty-year-old. You know about how much they suck or they're or they're or they're they probably have plastic surgery or they're probably an affirmative action hire or, or whatever like you know Haley Poolhouse, who's, uh, yeah mom yeah who's it's just I've seen it. hospital and they were like well telling her something about you know she should get uh she was paid more than to show up or whatever and she's like I'm an actor you probably make more money than me like right like and there's this this idea that everyone is paid like a Matt Damon. I mean, we do see how much Matt Damon makes, and Matt Damon makes a lot for movies. But no, most actors make far less than 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 you. Oh yeah, or, or they'll make they'll the make three thousand dollars a yeah. day, but work one day every yeah. six weeks. Yeah, exactly. Which that's you know, <laughs> like so, I always say that about scale. I remember uh, Steve Burton. I used to say, "What advice would he give new actors?" He said, "You know, plan on your minimum." Whatever your minimum guarantee is, they may love you and play you every day. Yeah. But plan on your minimum. Budget on your minimum. Yeah. Budget on your minimum. Everything else is gravy. And then remember that you get paid this money, not just for what you're doing now, but for living after you're done. Because this is an industry we don't work the same every day. Athletes don't get paid once they're done. So they have to invest. They have to... I mean, some of these people have been very smart in making investments and going on to do, you know, commercials and things like that. But guess what? Not everybody's a Tony Romo. Not everybody has a great personality. So, so you got to figure out what works for you. No, and I think that that's not everybody. Not everybody has a great personality. Truer words, truer words. Um, I do have to get running in a second. But one thing I wanted to do was just to thank you uh, for having me on. And I would love to. In fact, I, I actually think. I, I appreciate that you that you gave me the opportunity to talk about the movie. It's called Station oh, yeah. to Station, uh, but um, I would love for you to see it, and because I think there is a, it addresses, and I'd love for everybody who's listening to see it, and then I'd love to talk about it again because um, it addresses a lot of these things, the expectations people have on us, how the world changes. So, for example, uh, you know, I grew up, you know, you had to. The specifically is related to the movie you know you'd have to go in there and uh if you wanted to see a dirty movie or even a naked body you had to steal a, a dirty magazine from someplace or or go and wait till you were 21 to go and rent something and now with it's, only fans how does that you create look at it on your look, phone yeah right? how does it create the way we look at ourselves or how we perceive ourselves or how we value ourselves and how we relate to each other i was reading about how younger people uh younger men today have higher incidences of ed than ever before and it's because of being sedentary and because of, um, you know, 
Well, there's like a lot of factors with that. We could talk about that all day because I listen to Dr. Drew all the time. I don't want to go there. But you know, but it's this idea of the world is different now. And for younger people, for younger people, and the way we perceive ourselves and our and the way we express ourselves and those kinds of things are changed. And so it is about a guy. This is my teaser, and hopefully Lucretia and, and you guys will like me enough to be able to come and tie this to some awesome pop psychology aspect of it. But it's about a guy who, when he discovers a family secret, runs to Las Vegas, and he ends up in a somewhat adult environment, but it's not about that. And and I and the, probably the two greatest things, someone said that it was like uh, he was uh, it was a catcher in the rye for the modern era because it's about a guy dealing with a world that is one way when he hasn't even figured out who he is yet and making a lot of mistakes in the process, but it's also very sexy. There is a penis, um, which, which is amazingly fascinating to everyone who's seen it. Like uh, the test audiences oh. will write paragraphs about, and I said, okay, America's got a long way to go. Like when um, I took my mom to see hair and she was like, huh, I didn't know there was nudity in here. Great. <laughs> 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 and um, but but I what I love is Las Vegas has always been amused to me. I think so many people come in and out. There are a million stories in the city. Well, definitely there are a million and one in Las Vegas. And what I love is that a whole part of the city turns over every weekend. Yeah, you know, uh, it, people come in from all over the world and then they go again. And then there's the part that stays behind. And I love the longer I've lived and worked in and around Vegas, uh, I would see people, you know, three o'clock in the morning coming in and picking up kids from overnight daycare. Okay. still still in like outfits from like the jobs that they do and and so i always wanted to tell the story about people in vegas and so it's a bit like uh, a chorus line in the sense that the director is the main character but the and, and his story is the through line but it's not the reason we're there like we're gonna learn about all so we deal with yeah, a lot I have of, sort a lot of, of friends in vegas who, who have lived through that and, well, and, and, that, and that's the thing. Right, you're telling their story yeah and well i would i would love i would love to know what you think about it and i would love to talk to you either offline or on the podcast it doesn't matter about that and i would love anybody who wants to engage with us i i will send you the link so that you can include them but um i love that I'm getting a an outgoing halo of some sort on my head from, yeah, from the light. Like God is lighting yeah. me beautifully. Um, my light broke, so but, I was like, "Well, I gotta fix that." But <laughs> I think that I think that the one thing ties into all of these things is young people and the expectations people have on them and where they think they're supposed to be going, and where they and where they may and and if people get out of the way and not judge, a lack of judgment that everybody, people that you meet, or you're like, "Well, they get naked on the internet for money," or they have drugs they should have been they should have uh, done this they ran away from home you know they should have led a, a better life or they should have done these things uh in the film what we do is we explore an ensemble of people who all have various challenges or or places and you get to see why they are the way they are and i hope that people come away with an understanding that everybody has a story and really we should be worrying about ourselves and not trying as you say not trying to tell people how they should live because we don't know how they got there and yeah. uh and and but because it's 2021, it's 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 kind of sexy too. It's a lot of funny, and there's some really great arguments where you're like, "Oh my god, did they really do that? Did they really say that?" So this I is why I have to know. My one big question is: mm -hmm. Is there puppetry of the penis? <laughs> no, there is not. No, there is not. Puppetry of the penis. No, there's honest. Honestly, though, if I could have worked it in, I would have. My favorite oh, yeah. thing that uh, recently we won an award, and the guy and talking about why he gave us the award is like he says there were things in this movie, and you were just like, 
my God, how did he get these actors to do these things? And I'm like, I don't know. We, I, asked. I, I saw that when I watched and I was like, oh, now I'm really intrigued. But I, I really, just because of your background, both with comedy and performance and psychology, I would absolutely love to know what you think and, uh, and, and if you, and what you think about these themes. And I'll, I'll send you a link. And, uh, and for the rest of the audience, I cannot wait. I will definitely be back to tell Lucretia or be back on the show to tell you when, it's, when it premieres. But uh, that's your little teaser. Well, um, it's really exciting. So where can they keep up the conversation with you to learn uh, I'm, find that? I'm BZ Ben Bryant on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and, uh, and Twitter. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn if you, if you want to connect with me professionally. Uh, I've done so many different professions that if you can fall into one of those categories, uh, we, we, can, we can be friends. Uh, and, uh, but honestly, uh, just, you know, you'll find me around Benjamin Bryant. Uh, Google me on on and all those things will come up again and i would really love if people would check out my imdb because right now that's what i'm doing and i'm very proud of the career i'm building well awesome and the movie's called oh oh oh, oh and forever in a day yeah i cannot tell you whether i survived the 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 cliffhanger but lucretia and i uh, both play very messy dramatic characters with with a really fun lives on on the audio serial forever in a day the first two seasons are available and i would love every person who's listening to go check us out so they can hear us our, our, you can, the, the people they know on this podcast are going to be very different from the people we portray Oh, yes. And you can find that podcast anywhere you can find this one, guys. And since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the Internet since there is only one. Catch me outside. How about that? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.